Director's Notes, episode 335, Hannah Polak, Something Better to Come. Welcome to Director's Notes, the podcast dedicated to the what, how and why of independent filmmaking. Here's your host, Amber Williams. Directed by Oscar-nominated filmmaker Hannah Polak, Something Better to Come is, in my opinion, one of the most important and powerful social documentaries of recent times, featuring the personal stories of multi-generational families living on the garbage dumps just outside of Moscow. The film provides heart-wrenching insight into the agony some people must endure in order to survive, and the hard-fought battles which must be won to change one's life. At the centre is Eula, a young girl whose desire for a better life will inspire even the most downtrodden of individuals. Hannah has been outrageously busy travelling the world, promoting something better to come, so I'm very grateful that she could join me on the show to discuss the trials and tribulations of this 14-year-long project and how it almost killed her in the process. Hannah, welcome to Director's Notes. It is a huge pleasure to have you on the podcast. I loved your film, Something Better to Come. It's my pleasure, of course, to take part in your programme. Thank you for the invitation. And I feel very privileged, in fact, that I was being able to to work on this film because, first of all, I could give this voice to those people to tell their stories and they are completely forgotten by the world, they rejected. And it's my great pleasure to see that these people are once rejected they are accepted again in the way these people like them as a protagonists of the film, of course. And uh, it was also, I feel, a very important project for me and uh, it deeply touched my heart. I, I went through many amazing situations, amazing moments with those people. They kind of enriched me in my heart because these people are able to give and share and love and uh, share friendship and everything. So for me, it is really uh, sad, but also very, very amazing experience. Sad because, of course, people shouldn't live like this, especially children, but actually no one. No, you're absolutely right. Um, So here at Director's Notes, we like to start with the question, what brought you to filmmaking? So so you asked me what brought me to this project and I have to tell you that I actually did not plan to make a film. Uh, back in 2000, uh, in 1999, actually, I met homeless children on the streets of Moscow and uh, I stopped. I talked to them and I was completely uh, shocked. I was completely uh, impressed by the fact that children can live on their own on the streets. They, they are not needed. I mean, impressed in a very negative way, I would say, shocked and and traumatized but what I have seen on the street and then I just thought that I will not be able to live a normal life anymore because seeing something like this kind of forced you to to act to do something so instead of going back to my daily duties I started to help the children I organized my friends we started to deliver food clothes uh, medical assistance psychological help and all the other different uh, needed necessary things 
And then soon I had uh, a couple of children staying in the apartment, which me and some of my friends were renting. And we were trying to push those children hard to orphanages, back to families. Fortunately, we do have some children out of the streets uh, because of those many years activities of helping the children on the streets. And then, of course, the idea of making a film came. I was actually looking for the ways how spread the story, how to make it big, how to kind of reach more people with the information, with this um, situation to show them of the children, of the people. So basically this is how I came to the first to the railway stations and the children took me to the dump. And this is how I kind of came up to this story of this film. And you did an incredible job. Do you think that filming Eula made her more inspired and motivated to build a better life for herself? Well, I asked her this question, basically, because I was wondering if my presence helped her in any way. And she told me that uh, she feel herself, that it's been a sum of different things. And that certainly my presence was one of the motivating forces behind this, that she has a normal life now. But what she told me is, she said, look, but I am the person which, if is offered a chance, I will grab it and I will very tightly hold to it. I will use the smallest opportunity you give me. And she said, you know, look, there were other people there at the garbage dump and you were present and they just didn't take the chance. They did not kind of hold to it. They like it. They love you. They waited for you. But they did not fight anymore. They kind of resigned. They simply didn't have the spirit of fighting anymore. They lost the hope. And Yula said, I took kind of the opposite road. I just decided to use any smallest chance which comes along my way and use it. And she told me, yes, I was one of the people of the motivating kind of forces on her way. And she said, you would always come and, uh, you know, like... uh, talk to me and chastise me and say some morals and you know like uh, disagree with things and kind of show me and inspire so she did say it that I was one of the forces behind this whole process of her getting out of the garbage dump but of course I don't think I was the only motivating source I think really I've been talking to Yula for a long time. She could see that I'm coming from a normal uh, world. She always had this longing. She always was living this dream of having a normal life, which she's expressing for so many years uh, during the film. And basically, I think the moment when she became pregnant, this is the moment when she really, I think, understood that she has totally nowhere to go, that now her life lies completely in her own hands. This is not a joke anymore. It's not, I mean, when she was a child, it was a little bit like, you know, like an adventure. Yeah. A sad adventure, of course, but in a way she didn't have to attend the school. She had a lot of freedom. She could smoke and drink when she was very small already. She had other friends, but she could see how they dying, how they disappearing. Of course, she was dreaming about having this normal life, but in a way it didn't bother her so much. But one day she just actually understood that she has no future. She has no home. She has nowhere to go. She has no shelter. She has no close person who could shelter her in any way. And when she came into this dramatic situation when she was pregnant, she made her a very dramatic choice. But I think also this helps her really understand the depth of the situation. And I think this is the moment when she really became very, very strong, when she decided to really get out of the situation she is. 
because before it was maybe talking and dreaming, but I think she was too small to really understand. And for me, it was impossible to help her because also we had already a lot of children staying in our apartment and I was helping thousands of children. Yula wasn't just uh, one uh, person who I came across, but her situation was much more complicated because she was at the garbage dump with her mother. She cared for her mother very dearly. She would not leave the garbage dump and I also didn't have anything to offer to her. I tried to find something for her, but I didn't have any support and I had already a lot of children staying in my apartment who were from the garbage dump, oftentimes sniffing the glue coming from, I mean, not from the garbage dump, from the street, uh, sniffing the glue coming every day. Uh, Those children had a totally different range of problems, so I was not able simply, I I simply didn't have anything to offer to Yula and to her mom. I tried to organize some money for her, but they were so small that she herself refused to even accept them because she knew that she will not be able to rent an apartment on, you know, to have a normal life with those kind of funding. So basically, I am also limited. You know, people would like expect sometimes me that I can, I can with a magic stick change people's lives. But this is what I was fighting for. I was fighting for more support. We didn't have any financial support. We, we had only one uh, small organization, the International Women Club in Russia, who was supporting us on a regular basis, but it were very small money for food for the children. And uh, they would collect some clothes for the children. And then I would have a restaurant who would give me like bags of rice. And, uh, well, I had only a few people who were helping as volunteers. They didn't get any payments for many, many years. So, also, I was trying. This is why I also decided to make a film, because I wanted to reach out for more help to more people. And yet, we were on the streets and on the garbage dump, basically, on an everyday basis. We've been delivering, like, you know any help. We were 24 hours a day available for those kids. They knew where they can call if something happens. They knew where they come if they need help. So, you know, this was one of the reasons why I decided to make the Children of Leningradsky first, the first film which I completed in 2004, and then Something Better to Come, which I completed uh, very recently. So this is why I decided to make those films, because I was hoping that we can reach the organization, the policymaker, the public opinion, the journalists, the sponsors, you know, the good-hearted people who want to change other people's lives, uh, regarding if this is directly in Russia or if it's in their community, wherever they're located, or if these are just parents who will take a better care for their own children. So basically, this is what I was aiming for with taking this huge endeavor of making a documentary. And you can also see this for many years. I was just basically also alone. I had a, a small group, but it's it's also like a like a snowball. You start somewhere and it starts rolling. And now we have a film and I'm talking with you and you're talking to your audience. So I feel that this is an amazing achievement that this story is out and people are touched by this. Definitely. How much difference do you think it's made to the people's lives already? You know, for Eula, there is open life. It's a, it's a, it's a carte blanche. It's a white card uh, to be still written because she has a new life, but she's struggling very much. And uh, from time to time, she reaches out to me, completely freak out that she cannot cope with her life, daily life, with her daily expenses. People cheat her on the work. There is a crisis in Russia. I mean, she cheat her on the work. Uh, I mean, she, she was 
couple times hired and never saw any money for the work she was doing for a few months. So things like this happen to her and yet she has daily expenses. She has a child she has to feed and buy some clothes for the child and she has rent to pay and she needs to buy the food and and on the end, you know, she's really unskilled. She doesn't have any any skills. She dreams of being a hairdresser. But of course, her reality is that she has to catch daily, day-to-day job, basically, to survive. There are sanctions on Russia. So it is the, the prices of the gas dropped. So Russia itself faces a lot of uh, economical difficulties for, for many, many different people there. Even uh, Prime Minister said recently that Russia may have to uh, make ch- uh, cuts on the budget because they are not going to be able to meet this year budget. So basically, we're talking about somebody who is in the lowest uh, place in this kind of whole social system because she was raised up at the garbage dump. Yeah, it's a completely different environment, isn't it, to adjust into? Absolutely. Even for a person who has a family and has skills, I see many desperate people who are running with their CVs from place to place and cannot find a job. For people who are even having great education, and many of them, they are depressed and they don't know what to do. They are facing lots of difficulties in their life, but yet they have friends and family to support. Yula actually supports her family. Yula is the one who supports her mother. Her mother still is supported by Yula. And Yula has to take care. Sometimes her mother falls down. She gets into drinking. And Yula is the one who tries desperately to take her off uh, this, uh, you know, moments of uh, falling down and uh, straighten her up and help her. And she's the one who earns the money for the family. She has a boyfriend, but uh, he also doesn't have... He's also from the garbage dump. His situation is completely the same. So he also catches the lowest paid jobs. Sometimes he's out of job. They don't live really in Moscow. The apartment is quite a distance from Moscow. So they have to travel for work to Moscow. So they go from place to place. So I have to tell you that she has a very difficult life. And from time to time, she's crying and she's uh, desperate. And she has been reaching out to me recently a few times and of course I help her always at this time and and she actually amazes me with how thankful she is for the smallest help and how embarrassed she feels that she even has to ask you know because she doesn't want the money or the kind of economical base be a base for our relationship I see it it touches me very very deeply because I see this amazing dignity in this, this in this person and it really touches my heart personally that I see her qualities and you know how how ashamed she feels basically to ask for any help so so I have to tell you that it's another amazing experience for me because these people are teaching me such a dignity and kindness and pride in their own life. This is Eula and of course many other people of the garbage dump are not alive anymore. Some of them sporadically I see on the other garbage dump on in other places and if I have a small opportunity to help them, I do, but I am trying to concentrate right now to help at least one person to completely, I mean one person. She's not even a one person because she has a child, she has her boyfriend who was at the garbage dump, she has her mother. Her mother took a boyfriend from the garbage dump herself. So it's a whole community of the people, small one, but even helping them is a really uh, possibility to do something. 
So I feel that this film is touching more and more people. I hope there would be having more educational distribution in the universities and schools so young people can learn. And I hope there would be more organizations and people who would like to see and and react. And of course, I am just one person band with a couple other people, of course, with my producer, with um, Singrid Dyker, with my executive producer, Jan Rofekamp, with my brother, who is very much involved in helping with a few other other people who are trying in different ways to reach out and to help with my broadcasters who are doing their work to to deliver the film to the audiences but still I feel you know we need more people who can take the message and spread it and people who would like to show the film to their friends and and tell others about it yeah I know you're running a crowdfunding campaign at the moment well, we did uh, run a crowdfunding campaign and right now we still have a small crowdfunding on our website hanapolakfilms.com and uh, we are running kind of a promotional campaign so we can get some money to do some promotion activities. The website is not updated. We need to update it because we are not running for Oscars anymore. Unfortunately, the Academy did not choose our film for Oscars. I think the film had a very little exposure in the United States because we didn't have a proper distribution, we didn't have a broadcaster so I think this is the problem that the film is very little known in the US but we were nominated for Producers Guild Award which is uh, maybe second after Oscars important nomination in the United States and the film has won basically uh, around 30 prizes, 30 awards all over the world at different film festivals so it is actually the most awarded film of the last year of Poland and it continues travel on the film festival so yeah it's incredible I know the project lasted for 14 years how did you approach editing the footage that you had did you edit it as you went along well this is actually the most difficult part of this project although this project was very difficult on every stage because it's shot completely illegally at the garbage dump where you are not even allowed to enter to trespass and yet I was kind of shooting all this film uh, for, for many many years how did you gain access my access were the people so it means that uh, the first time I was brought to the garbage dump by the children from the uh, railway station, from the streets. They knew that people live behind the walls, behind the fence of the garbage dump, which I wouldn't have any idea, so I would never go there because, you know, it's a, it's a tight security place. People are working with walkie-talkies and, you know, it's, it's all surrounded by tall fence and there is a checkpoint. The security is everywhere, basically. But because it's such a huge territory, the children from the street of Moscow, they took me on the suburbs of Moscow where the garbage dump is located and they helped me. They showed me how to get through the fence, how to, how to basically trespass the garbage dump. And they kind of taught me all these uh, ways, how to went in and out, how to not to be noticed, how to come on the track of the garbage. And for many years, I was illegally coming to and leaving the garbage dump, trying to be unnoticed by the security. Of course, I was caught many times. Of course, I had troubles. I had some footage being destroyed. Uh, so all of this was a very difficult. Uh, and of course, you can imagine there is a lot of danger at the garbage dump. There is uh, hundreds if not thousands of the wild dogs moving around the garbage dumps. There is machinery working. There is different, sometimes dangerous um, trash being dumped. 
sometimes hazardous materials. So, you know, the place has a lot of a lot of dangers. Of course, once you enter in, you are on the territory which is protected from outsiders, but not protected within. In terms that women get raped, as you can see and hear in the film, people talking about it. And then, you know, people get beaten. There is a lot of accidents happening, injuries. Death is really omnipresent there in different ways because you can die from the accident with the, with the bulldozers or trucks or you can froze to death or you can step on something and get some kind of infection and sometimes the garbage dam would basically collapse you know many 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 different problems why you shouldn't be actually at this place but because of these people I would be coming there but then of course what you said is actually crucial because I actually didn't even you know like there is a seven up series of Michael Apted and I met with Michael Apted I went to his workshop but it's a different formula. He actually shoots every seven years. So basically, he's ending up with the new materials and he's trying to uh, reconstruct like, okay, what was seven years before and seven years before and 14 and 21 and whatever. So it is re really still a different formula for the film. The, the closest person to what I've been shooting was Helena Trzeszczykowa, uh, the Czech filmmaker, who shot, for example, Katka, also for many years. I think she shot for perhaps 12 years, this woman who, first time when she meets her, she's out at the, of the addiction at the rehabilitation center, but then we can observe her basically sinking into this uh, addiction and, and becoming more and more in troubles in life. You know, we, we, we see this dramatic journey down. Uh, she has other films like this. So basically, this was the closest. And I met with Helena Trzeszczykowa. I also went purposely for her class and I met with her and I wrote emails with her because I really wanted to understand how do you approach this kind of materials because it's extremely difficult, but still, it's an inspirational to see how other people have done it, but you still have to find your own way because you have your certain materials. And while she was concentrated really on one person, Person, my task, my idea was not only to tell the story of a one person, but tell a story of the community of the people to show that it's not just one person and her only life. She's not the only protagonist. I wanted through her portrayed a whole community of homeless people and through other people portray her life. So I still found my own different approach in the materials. And of course, it was a very long uh, process. I edited perhaps for four years or more. And I had different editors coming and going because no one who is in the professional world could afford such a length project. And then oftentimes people would find the project simply too difficult to work with, too complicated. You know, for many, many, many months, actually even years, I couldn't even get on top of those materials because there was so many things to watch and so many stories. I mean, it's been very, very difficult to make a coherent film out of these materials. My first edit was actually about Eula, about her life only. And I discovered that this is empty. This is not the film which I want to make. Then, because also I already made Children of Lingradsky, I didn't want to make another film 
like Children of Leningradzki. I didn't want to make another film which just portrays the basically multi-hero, uh, you know, film like many protagonists. I didn't want also something like this to happen. So I was kind of carving for a long time the story. And I was going back and forward between Yula and between the other people. Because I feel that also the other people, when they are portrayed with the impossibility of the uh, change in their life, they talk a lot about what Yula's achievement in getting out of homelessness is. Because only when you have this kind of background, when you understand that those people have completely no chances for a normal life. Yeah, it goes on for generations, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's a lost life, basically. It's a vicious cycle. You just can't take off. Once you are in this homelessness, the cycle of homelessness, the cycle of loneliness, being rejected by society, it is almost impossible to break in so for me, this was very difficult, but also very important to paint this kind of picture. So for different reasons, I work on the film alone for a long time. And then we met with an editor who I never considered for editing together, but who was my very good friend. And we met for a coffee, for a tea. We went uh, for a dinner, then for a supper, then for a breakfast, because we, we decided to meet also in the editing room. And he told me, you know, bring your materials, bring what you have edited. At this moment, I edited a 90 six minutes rough cut of a basic materials and he said come and let's meet and let's talk I really I'm really curious because he's a very good editor very experienced he loves challenges and he was just curious he, he knew he's not gonna work on the film but he was just curious uh, to see what what I have done what is the project about we talked so much about it already and then he fell in love with the materials and then we started to talk and then he said look you know I think we should do this I think it, this is wrong here I think this is great what you have done here but I would do this and then first time after so many years of working with these materials I found a partner partner in crime <laughs> partner in this project you know partner in in editing and this was partner in talking because actually editing is not just clicking the mouse basically the technical abilities editing is in your head so we started to share our thoughts. We started to talk a lot. We, we started to edit the film between our emails, you know, exchanging the emails. This is how we started to come up with the story. And then he had an idea. And then actually, I didn't even read carefully his idea, but there was something in the email which gave me completely a different idea. And then I would come back and then, and then he would come up with an idea. And then this is something which is really miraculous about working with another person when you find a part in working together, you know, a creative companion for your work, which you even start hearing yourself, you know, because you speak to some somebody else, you start to have an ideas, you start to have something to, to bounce off. So for me, this was a really great moment. And of course, the co-producer, which I worked with, Sigrid Dyker, which also helped me on the side of collecting the funding and also on the creative side, because a really good producer has also a lot of great creative ideas and have a great overview of the project, of your needs. So, but, but I have to tell you that this is the far the most difficult and the most uh, basically unhealthy and dangerous project I have ever embarked on. And in fact, uh, I almost died uh, while editing this film. I mean, it was already dangerous to be at the garbage dump, but this film was so demanding physically, technically, time-wise, stress-wise. 
I was so deeply immersed in thinking about those materials that for months and months and months I've, I've been just editing, you know, I for years. I have been losing track of what's going on around me because I was so deeply in my mind that I would go to the dentist and I didn't have any idea that I am at the dentist. I was completely forgetting because I was still editing. I would run in the evening just not to sit all day long. And I would actually edit in my mind. I would forget about the hardship of exercising because my mind was completely fixed on this footage, on the editing of these materials, on figuring it. Because it's like a puzzle. You have millions and millions of pieces because over 14 years you collected footage and you have to come up with watering down somebody's life so many years of somebody's lives to one and a half hour and then you have to basically include the most important element and it's overwhelming it's like you cannot find the ending in even sifting through the materials i could still go on but we finally we had deadlines you know so i had to deliver the film and actually what happened i did deliver the film for itfa and then i edited for another eight months I even showed additional footage because I was still not satisfied. And especially with film like this, when you put so many years of your life, you really want the thing to be completely like in place. Yeah. This is something which you cannot easily give up. And and I think the biggest achievement of this film is just this persistence, this not giving up because I was many times close to giving up. But then I was thinking I, I'm actually owing it to my protagonist. And this is why I also decided to promote the film for Oscars. I did this huge promotion, even it was expensive and it was time-consuming again because I felt I'm not going to give up because if Yula didn't give up I cannot give up I have to fight to the very end I'm going to fight for this film I'm still fighting for this film we are still organizing the screenings we are still talking to people I'm still answering the smallest email from individuals they may come they are extremely important for me and and all of this i am still doing in the hope that this film will touch people's hearts something will change somebody will get inspired on the end of the day i think it's a very inspirational story because if i look at amy or if i look at kurt cobayt film or if i look at uh, janice joplin film or even so many films, you know, I see beautiful films, but also I see the people who have been given so much in life and they didn't manage. They they simply lacked what Yula finally gained, you know, and this is something which I feel really, really unique, which can be an inspiration for any of the great artists of anyone, that you should never give up, that you can achieve basically in your life everything, even the peace within yourself, you know, even you can overcome the depression and drugs and and whatever is there. I mean, if she could do it, I can do it also, you know, what kind of uh, justification I have for not doing something. I am inspired by Yula, she inspires me and she inspires many of my friends who know her personally. So for this reason, I feel this is an amazing journey and I, I wish to deliver this film to people, to give them this inspiration, to see this film and to see it's everything is possible in life. Yeah, well, it is incredibly inspirational. Do you know... What that's going to lead on to? Is there anything coming next? I know you're extremely busy promoting and campaigning at the moment. I am actually, yes, you're right. I'm still working on this film and uh, I am researching uh, some projects. 
I am sure that the life will bring me in some place when I will have something to do, something creative. Uh, you kind of cannot separate yourself from your nature. The nature is always kind of winning with you. I would really love to go into fiction films because it is my background. I study in an acting school and I perform in the theater on the stage and I graduated from cinematography department under Vadim Yusuf, who was a cinematographer of Andrei Tarkovsky. So my background is even more kind of fictions and documentary. I love documentaries, but I would love to go into the fiction. So I am looking in my life right now also for a script. But if life will bring me to another documentary film, of course, I will take this opportunity too and I will work on, on it. But I, in, a, in a way, I feel that documentaries are, even they don't have maybe audience so huge as fiction films, but oftentimes they... They are beautiful and they are much more challenging and difficult because it's very difficult to foresee what the life will bring. And oftentimes you have these really big puzzles in your editing room, which is not easy to make a story when you don't have a script, when you don't have a picture, a reference, you know, and you really have to, you have to put it all together so people can see the real story. And then you have to also be very truthful with your protagonist you cannot exploit it and you cannot change the truth so i think it's always very very challenging to tell the documentary kind of story yeah so i don't know yet i don't know i'm researching i'm looking if you if you happen to know yourself you can let me know about something i should be looking into if anybody has a script you know i am happy to look into it that's brilliant well i'm very excited to see what you do next um do you have a message for the listeners what would be the call to action? The main call to action would be what's in on our website, uh, you know, to support the promotional activities. So if people want to kind of screen the film and if the cinemas want to screen it, if the festivals want to screen it, if individuals want to have screenings and if organizations want to get hold of the film and inspire their people, this is, I think, something which would be most needed. The other call to actions on the website is it's a possibility to donate money for Eula, but money is not everything. I mean, if somebody is a hairdresser and wants to teach Eula, if this is possible, if it's logistically somehow possible, or if somebody wants to take care of Eula's education, sponsor her education or whatever. So whatever can help to her in her life that she can have a better standing or, or even, you know, whatever other way of engaging her and teaching her something so she can have a profession and maybe some kind of small business in future or whatever. So whatever is available, if we can help other people who are still at the garbage dumps. But it's very difficult for me, of course, to oversee and monitor everything because I am myself very busy and I travel extensively because of the film. But I think uh, the other thing is also even the waste management. We have been holding screenings with different organizations and uh, ministries of different countries which take care of waste management. And I think this is another huge issue. It's, it's connected with ecology, it's connected with uh, basically, you know, our consumption is about kind of hedonistic way of life we have which I am always inspired and I would like to talk about, uh, you know, I am a vegetarian myself and I am concerned about the ecology and about the clean water and the clean air and clean uh, food and kind of normality in the society. So when you look what's happening, that so many people are getting so rich and yet many of those people don't use their wealth 
in the service of our people. They kind of exploit the communities, the earth. Yeah, such a massive divide. And they don't even feel they should give back, you know. So this is something which concerns me and this is something what I hope it would be the subject of my next projects also because I want to make some things which are meaningful and I think uh, the basic things in life are underappreciated, you know, the, the fact that we need clean water, the fact that we need to breathe clean air. Without this, there is no life on this planet. So I think we are doing not enough to do it. And if we can cut down on our consumption is, if we can use our resources in the service to other people, in the genuine service, and is it the public service, if these are the officials, or if these are individuals who have the strength and the resources to engage, I think we should do it because, it, and it's actually a pleasure, it's actually a privilege this is something you know which really makes people happy so I think this is something which I really hope it comes through this film and uh, I hope it would be the subtle message of the other projects which I will be working on well that is absolutely brilliant it was a fantastic interview really insightful thank you so much for this to get show notes for this episode or post a comment visit us at directorsnotes.com Director's Notes is released on a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 license. All other materials remain the property of our guests. Support the show by telling a friend, blogging about us, or leaving a review in iTunes. Every year, there are hundreds of great films of all types from around the world that don't get the exposure they deserve. It's our job to make obscurity a thing of the past, one film at a time.